Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line podcast network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 159 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Kevin Bohan, and we thank you, as always, for tuning in. And if you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to the pod. You can find us on anywhere you listen, Apple, Spotify, we are there. And while you're there, if you could please be so kind to leave us a written review and give us some star power, helps us get our name out there and reach more people. And guys, we want to remind you that the show is brought to you by Bet Online. The NFL playoffs, NBA, and college basketball are in full swing. And whether it's team spreads and totals to player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can also get involved virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to Bet Online today and sign up to get started. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Kevin, a lot of uh, big sports going on, I guess, over the weekend and coming up this past week. We'll get into. Possibly the Ladybacks' biggest week that they've ever had in program history, definitely at least under Mike Neighbors. But first off, did you happen to watch uh, the McGregor-Poyer fight? I caught the highlights of it, which was about all you needed to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. McGregor, yeah, he's just it's, – it's time to hang it up, bub. Yeah, man. Too, it's like I saw a tweet earlier that it was – he's basically kind of become the – uh, the Mike Tyson of, you know, he was just yeah. dominant for so many years and then still really good at selling tickets, still really good at marketing himself. But I still remember that fight that with the last major fight that Tyson had about, I guess it was close to 20 years ago when he just got dominated by Lennox Lewis. Now, a lot of that had to do with the fight that Lennox had just such a crazy, much longer reach than he did. And he was also just uh, Linux was in way better shape at that time too. But yeah, you hate to see it, man. I, you know, I I am uh, of Irish descent, so I always root for Rory McElroy, and I liked Conor McGregor, those guys. But I think, like you said, man, you've already been embarrassed enough. I think it's about just time to hang it up. You're in your mid thirties. You've made your money. Just go hang hang out with your family at this point. Yeah, when he came back and fought, uh, fought. Floyd Mayweather, you know, that, that was obviously stepping out of his comfort zone, but it was something he felt being the most dominant athlete in that arena that he could do. So that was, he held on as long as he could in that. It was a great fight, but yeah, we, we all get told at some point we can't do the thing we love anymore. And it, it's time for him to hang it up. It, I feel like you do coming from a background of Irish descent. So I, root for him but yeah it's it's time to you move on to the next chapter of life he's great at marketing himself like you said and promoting himself so he's got a big career ahead of him in that line of work for sure yeah he definitely won't be going away in terms of his marketing and just out in the public in general but yeah as far as fighting i think it's definitely about time to uh to stop that but before we get into some Razorback talk, I want to also remind you guys and let you know if you haven't heard about Manscaped yet, it's the best below the waist for men's grooming, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer, spending 18 months perfecting the greatest below the belt trimmer ever created. And they just recently released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. I can definitely, uh, vouch for that that it is a incredible product they've got a lot of great things i've actually got the briefs the shirt and also the lawnmower 3.0 and so you can go today and get 20 percent off plus free shipping with code hog h-a-w-g at manscape.com again that's h-a-w-g at checkout for 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com we'll start off kevin with the razorback hockey team now we had uh, i think it was episode 132 we had head coach keller sims on Really good talk there. I've always loved hockey. I said this when he and I were on. I used to go to – I don't know if 
growing up, you went to River Blades and Glacier Cats games when they were around at Barton Coliseum. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. My dad used to take me all the time. I honestly don't know a thing. I always give my girlfriend a lot of crap because she just doesn't know sports whatsoever. I mean, she knows basketball and volleyball because she played them, but I always mess with her just because she doesn't know a thing about sports. Well, that's how I am about hockey. I love the sport. But just with trying to keep up with baseball, trying to keep up with basketball, football, it's just really, really tough to, to fit that in. But the Razorback hockey team have had a lot of success over the years. They're not recognized by the NCAA, but have I, th- I think they've won like six conference championships, and they've been around six or seven, um, and they've been around since 2008. And so a lot of great stuff there. We share all of their streams on the Hog Talk Twitter and Facebook page. And then over the weekend, they swept their two-game opening series against Missouri State. They won Friday's game 6-2 to two, and then Saturday's game 4-1. to one. They'll be back at the Jones Center in Springdale next weekend, Friday and Saturday, against Dallas Baptist. I actually had – so I was texting Coach Sims earlier just kind of talking about it because I couldn't find any stats. And, again, you know, I'm not even yeah. – I can't really uh, read into – like, you know, I know the abbreviations for baseball and basketball and football. I'm going to attempt – to uh, go through some of these here, which, I mean, I, I think I understand most of them, but the the biggest question is, is can I pronounce some of their names? The first one, like <laughs> Griffin uh, Sugasarwarwa, uh, totally just, I know, butchered that one. Uh, he's a forward for the team, a former SEC MVP, and he had three goals and an assist over the weekend. They started pretty much, or didn't start, but all of their freshmen got to see some time, so just about everybody was able to get on the floor this one, the goalie, I'm going to just try this. Uh, this is probably going to be more entertaining trying to uh, hear me actually hear these names or say these names than actually talking about them. But Josef Dusinka, who is a goalie, first-team All-American last season, only three goals allowed in, on 41 shots over both games. That's a pretty dang good percentage. I don't know exactly what a dominant one would particularly be. Uh, but overall, man, you look at some of these things, you know, there was a lot of kind of like the Razorback basketball team. You see a lot of assists in here. Zach Riley, Kevin LaPlante, Cameron McAtee, Zach Wilson. Um, that's what you look through all here. And, of course, you see some goals, but you see a lot of assists. So they did a really good job of sharing the puck against Missouri State, just like the Razorback uh, basketball team did, uh, which we'll get into in just a second. But we will be, uh, again, covering them, make sure that we'll covering them to the extent that we can. At least we'll be promoting them. We want to promote all Razorback sports. You know, Porter's done a phenomenal job in his time with the Hogs Hog promoting the women's side of the game. Then we brought Kevin on who will uh, be having some extensive baseball coverage. You know, we try to, to hit it all. That's one thing that we want to do is is try to bring attention to all Razorback sports. That's right. And we got baseball news that came out this week. The first three games of the year are set at Globe Life Park for the State Farm College Baseball Classic. We'll be taking on Texas Tech, Texas, and then TCU, the number three, nine, and ten ranked teams in America, according to D1Baseball.com going to be interesting to see how the Razorbacks come out for less than a month away we're going to be having some great content regarding baseball coming up in the next few episodes I would stay tuned this week we got an excellent bonus pod coming out so yeah stay tuned we'll have some great Razorback season preview coverage that's what I was about to bring up I am I'm it's hard to keep my mouth shut uh, about that bonus pod <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one and that and it's going to be actually pretty fun because this will be the first time that I'll just be strictly producing. I'll be sitting back with my mic. Yeah. My mic will be muted. This will be strictly Kevin's show, and uh, so we, you will see later on this week who we will be uh, talking with. But yeah, I, I'm excited about that one. I'll just have my mic on mute, maybe throwing in a few sound bites here and there. But uh, going to be a lot of fun there. And and speaking of, as I mentioned, Razorback basketball just a second ago, the men are riding their first multiple game win streak, SEC win streak of the season, coming back from 19 down this past Wednesday to defeat Auburn 75-73, so they swept them for the year. And then Saturday taking care of a struggling Vandy squad, 92-71. Now, they didn't have – these are some more names that I – I think it was Dylan Disu and then Akeem Odusipe. Uh, I swear they just had to kill me with these Very names good. all the time. I yeah. know that that's pretty close. Uh, I know that, that Dylan Disu, I think that's actually how you pronounce his name. I remember him when he was getting recruited. But, yeah, it's been a tough uh, – it's been a tough year for – for uh, Stackhouse, Jerry Stackhouse's team, man, I thought he was a little hard on his team afterwards. You know, he went in and talking about how, you know, he continues to coach and they just don't seem to be responding. Man, I thought they played a pretty dang good basketball game. They just ran out of gas. I mean, you know, they've been hit with COVID really hard. They are the worst team in the league, but he took over a really tough situation. But I want to start off talking about first, man, Jalen Tate. The job, not just that he did 
score. I guess he was uh, he would have been the leading scorer. Uh, he was had twenty five, and then Moses had twenty six. So if it wouldn't have been for another dominant performance from Moses, he would have just been the all around. I think that he was the MVP, the the game MVP with uh, what he was able to do. Man, you look at the eight assists, but the job that he did on Scottie Pippen Jr. The way that he was able to guard him, holding him under fifty percent, I believe that that Pippen Jr. was the second leading scorer in the SEC, and so the the way that he was able to do that, the way that they shared, so sharing the ball and then also shot selection, the way that they were able to finish at the rim better. We've talked about all season how they've struggled with layups and uh, they had really bad shots. I didn't think necessarily against Missouri in the game that they shot the worst, one of the worst in program history. I didn't think that they necessarily picked bad shots all the time. They just couldn't hit them. But we've seen plenty of times that that was the case. And Randy Rainwater from 103.7 The Buzz had a question with Coach Muss uh, talking about that. Coach, in terms of uh, points of emphasis, you're 20 of 27 uh inside three feet of the basket that resulted in 22 of 36 22 assists to 36 uh of your field goals was that a point of emphasis three feet into the basket yeah i mean we've been doing some drills where we try to finish a little bit better i thought that the auburn game we did a great job of not settling i think tonight again i mean we took you know 19 threes we made eight of them i thought that the shot selection from three was probably our best of the season. Um, you know, we shot the three when our feet were set. We didn't take, I guess we took one step back three off the bounce. That wasn't a good shot. But other than that, I thought our three-point attempts were really clean and good looks, Randy. Yeah, I mean, just there's not a lot of bad that you can really say about this. Now, Vanderbilt hung in there for a while. There was a couple of times throughout the game that you were hoping that we could pull away. They finally ended up doing that. But, again, there's just really not a whole lot. That, there were so many games that you could point at in the, in the losses that we've endured in that really tough stretch at the beginning and middle of January. But, you know, again, it's a struggling team It is uh, against, that you played against Vanderbilt. But they did what they were supposed to do. And you got to, you would think that you've got a favorable matchup, and I still think that they do against a Ole Miss team that has improved a whole lot but the thing about it is Ole Miss, is they've, they've got some really solid play on the defensive side of the ball. The last two games, I think it was against Texas A&M and Mississippi State, they allowed under 50 points. So they started off 1-4 and four in SEC play, and they're one game away from 500. So you know that they're going to be there fighting and clawing, trying to get that to that 4-4 four and four record. Devontae Shuler, Jarkel Joyner, it runs through them, those two guards. And so we're going to have to really take care of the ball. They, turn, they, they are really good at forcing turnovers. They especially did that really well down the stretch against Texas A&M. And so these games where we've had just these high amount of turnovers, you cannot do that against this Ole Miss team. Yeah, it's been one of those teams where it's been boom or bust. And this past Saturday, it was a lot of boom. I always cringe every time we go into Vanderbilt because it's a different setup. You know, the bleachers are down at the end of the court, but in a COVID pandemic year, you have a lot of places like that on the road. So the guys did a really good job of adapting to the game plan that Muss had ready to go. And a lot of people were ready to jump off the bus. It was a little better against Auburn. People thought, well, we beat them by this many at their place. We should blow them out. That was a different Auburn team. They came in with a different leading score, and the guy, Justin Powell, didn't play that much. So Saturday was really kind of a litmus test, so to speak, of, where this team's going to take off to the rest of the season. A lot of people after eight games had them at five and three. They're at four and four, so they're only one. You talk about Jalen Tate and the phenomenal job that he did on Pippen. Plus minus for Pippen for the game was negative 23. Tate's was 22. That just shows you how dominant he was. Maybe he did get that late put back. But, yeah, we had three guys that had a chance for a double-double. Justin Smith, of course, Moody and Tate. It was a great effort by the team. They didn't have the lackadaisical performance like they did last week. Really good to go 2-0 and on the week for the first time this year. Like you said, back-to-back SEC wins. going to be a lot of fun to see these guys down the stretch if they can put it together. And as, as good as this Ole Miss defense team – or as good as this Ole Miss team has played defensively, you look at Ole Miss's schedule and you think if as long as you score sixty five or seventy, which we've scored around that all but one time, I think it was just good. A, yeah, yep. against Alabama you scored fifty nine. 
you should be able to win this game if you put up at least 65. That's what That would be my guess. And then you've got Oklahoma State. I mean, you look at this schedule. We've talked about that. I know we touched on it last week. But you've got Oklahoma State, not, look, not trying to look too far ahead, on January 30th. Then Mississippi State comes to Bud Walton on February 2nd. February 6th, so for the 2nd through the 9th, you've got a, a few games there. So how rested up will you be for Kentucky? You've got on the 6th, you've got A&M coming to your house. And then I've said February 9th on my birthday, I've said that's the only thing that I want. Erica keeps asking me what I want for my birthday. I keep ask, I keep telling her I want a win at Kentucky. We have not beaten them since we beat them at Rupp Arena in 2014, the year that we beat them twice. That was, of course, the year that Michael Qualls, a month previous to that, Put the Kai Madden took that. I think it was Kai Madden that took that final shot. It was, yeah. and then and then he. Uh, I remember Jimmy Dyke saying, "You got to drive it, Brad. You got to drive it." And then Kai takes the shot, and then Michael Qualls doing Michael Qualls things did what he did. And so we have not beaten UK since that year. I believe it's seven times that we've lost to them in that time frame. And so you know you just don't know with Kentucky right now. I know that they've gotten back on the. I mean they're still five and nine. They've got they won their game on Saturday night, and so. You know, it's how are they – or I'm sorry, did they – actually, did they win Saturday? I think they got back to their winning ways again. They, they did, yeah. That's they right. Came, they came back. Yeah, they're 4-3 and three in conference. Okay, so they're 4-3 and three in conference now. I get so confused because I know that they started off 3-0 and oh, and then they lost a couple. And so uh, so you've got that working for them there. But, it's it, of course, it seems like it would almost be poetic for them to get it going here in the next couple of weeks and then we go to them and then things just uh, – Things just completely fall off. But, um, you know, hoping for the best there. But you you got a very favorable matchup over the next couple of weeks. And so, um, you know, that's just very positive. You don't have to play after an Auburn team like you had to in the first uh, get the first SEC game, then play the number 6, 12, and 18 team in the country. That's right. We, we knew that the front end of the SEC schedule was going to be loaded if we could get through it healthy. And so far we have. We've had some bumps and bruises. Uh, Note had the shoulder injury, but he's been able to play through it. And then K.K. Robinson, of course, uh, unfortunately, is out for the year. Justin Smith is back. He looked more like himself on Saturday after we thought it may be a six-week injury. It ended up being a two-week turnaround. So hopefully he's working himself back into game shape. It's always tough to come out of an injury when you haven't been running the conditioning part of it. So they're going to have him going forward. And, yeah, it's, it's really funny because – during that run from about 2010 to 2014, we were back and forth with Kentucky. It was about even. And then the last seven times we've played them, it's just not gone our way. But this year, I think the playing field is a little leveled as far as talent goes. And that's something you hadn't been able to say over the past three or four years, Arkansas and Kentucky. Hopefully they can get back to the days of uh, the early 90s when we were put it to him on the regular. Well, and you think, too, with this recruiting class, this is a top-five class. Kentucky's always number one or number two, in most cases number one. I'm sure that these guys probably attended camps together or they crossed paths one way or another as they were getting recruited. And you think, I think these Arkansas guys probably have a chip on their shoulder. Hey, these guys are top 50 players in the country. Now, you know, we, we do have a couple. I know Moses was a top 40 player, and we've got some guys that were plenty were in the top 75, top 100. But – it's always Kentucky that's getting these one and dones and and these extremely high ranked players. So our guys are probably going to have a chip on their shoulder, thinking, "Well, you know, we're pretty dang good too. We're a top five class, and they're going to have even more time to gel till once they go to Rupp Arena." And you brought up Justin Smith; he seems like he's back to full health to me, looking really good yeah. running down the court. Now, when he came back against LSU, obviously you were going to be a little bit rusty. It's tough coming back for an eight, especially in this sport and in any sport. You got you got to use your legs to uh, to walk, and so coming back from an ankle injury is always really tough. But you know, I'm telling you, that guy just looks like an action figure. So I think if there's anybody on this team that's uh, going to be ready for something like that, it, it would be him. And so Razorbacks again will play Ole Miss at Bud Walton Arena Wednesday at 7:30 on SEC Network. And the as I mentioned earlier, the women's program. A massive week for them. You start off, so as you know, recording a Sunday, but as you listen to this, it'll be tonight on a Monday, 6 o'clock. They play at Georgia, the number 22-ranked team in the country. Now that's at 6 o'clock. And then they uh, play. Then they welcome the UConn Huskies, the number three-ranked <laughs> UConn Huskies, undefeated and former CAC Mustang and number one overall player from the 2018 class, Kristen Williams. I saw that matchup. Uh, so that one's going to be at four o'clock, aired on ESPN two, 
uh, this coming Thursday, so I'm going to miss a little bit of that on my way back from work. But I watched uh, UConn play Tennessee the other day, and it was like one of those old school, like used to be Geno Oriyama and Pat Summit matchups, just scrappy, scrappy. That was I think Tennessee actually played UConn closer than just about anybody. It was maybe like five, six points was the final score deficit. They've just done what they – they're back to pretty much their normal selves, just blowing everybody out. That's about what they've done this season. Yeah, and Gino Ariyama had great things to say about Pat Summit. He said he wishes he was there so he could work a little harder to achieve his goals as a coach. And that just says how much Pat Summit revolutionized women's basketball. And Coach Neighbors was saying on the radio, I think it was yesterday or Friday, I believe, he was on the radio, I think, in Central Arkansas on the buzz, and he said, Players came to him and said, who's the best team we can find after Vandy canceled the rest of their season? So it happened to be UConn was the one that was open, and I know Coach Neighbors, and the type of level where he wants to get to, if he wants to get to that upper echelon, a lot like the baseball team has. They want to play, they want to be at that College World Series every year, so they're going to play the best teams in the nation that they can. They're starting off with the top three top ten teams so the lady backs are doing the same thing. It's great to see every program adopting that way of thinking, Kyle. You haven't seen it a whole lot lately. Football team struggle, struggle, struggle. They're starting to get back into form. Arkansas Razorbacks athletic department is getting back to where they're known nationally in more than just one or two sports, and that that's the best thing that I've that can come out of this whole thing. Yeah, and the women's team has, I, I guess in some ways, from a scheduling standpoint, have really benefited from what they've been able to do this year. Now, the basketball team was was held by Anthony Ruda. We've talked about his – did everything that he could to put a, a respectable schedule together, which I thought he did. Well, now Tulsa would have been a good matchup, but that got canceled. Yeah. And then you look at football. You got that Notre Dame game taken away. You know, you had a lot of good matchups uh, of, of top 25 teams in SEC play, but that really sucked to get that taken away, to just go there and – experience that you know that would just be I know there was a lot of fans that were looking really forward to doing that but as far as this women's schedule you'd be really hard pressed to find a tougher one in the country than this I I don't think somebody commented whenever we shared it on the Facebook page uh, when it was released I guess what was that Wednesday or Thursday and that was one of the first comments that we had was this probably is the hardest schedule in the country and I I don't think that you're going to find one that would be you already had Baylor and then you just played I think what was uh, South Carolina I think they were number five the SEC they're number one yeah 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 yeah, I think when we played them they were number five or no it was they weren't quite number one but which was uh what a week and a half ago but like Zach Arn said last week on on Monday's show, when we had him on, you know, this was just from top to bottom. You think you look at baseball, basketball, men's and women's, and football, and I would probably say in most cases, it's usually Alabama that comes out and, and is playing in the national championship for football. But all the other sports, you would probably look at baseball and women's basketball that it is toughest to win, not just a national championship out of that conference, but to win that conference in general. Yeah, Coach Neighbors said it's harder to win the SEC tournament than it is the national tournament because if you're a lower seed, you got to win five games in five days. It's the same thing with the SEC baseball tournament. And the SEC baseball tournament has kind of lost its luster over the years because as you go into that weekend, you're pretty much set on if you're a top eight national seed or if you're one of the top 16 teams that's going to host a regional. If you're right there on the bubble, there's a couple things you can do to improve your seeding, but it's usually all laid out, so you just want to get through the SEC baseball tournament without too many injuries or having to tax your arms too much. So, uh, yeah, it's like you said, it's harder to win those tournaments than it is the whole NCAA tournament. And if you're looking at this from a realistic standpoint, and then, you know this is something I would say to to Coach Neighbors, I would say to as my, I mean, I love this team more than anybody. But you look at it, and UConn is extremely much more. I wouldn't say extremely, but they are more talented than what we have. I still will stand by that. I think that we have one of the best backcourts in the country. I'm still not sure where what we can do against dominant teams inside. You saw what South Carolina was able to do. We hung with South Carolina for a good while, but there at the end, it was they were just too much for us. And so that's what's going to be uh, key against UConn. But you know what? Either way, as we kept saying, just to have them come in, to have that kind of matchup, to gain that kind of national respect, showing that any place, any time, anywhere mentality – that's really just bringing a whole lot more respect and notoriety to the program 
Coach Neighbors and his staff have already done a phenomenal job putting some recruiting classes together. You've got Joe's Jersey Wolfenberger, who I think right now is the sixth-ranked player in the country. Overall, five-star. Got her coming in for 2021. Of course, you have Alana Eaton from last year's class that is out with a torn ACL. And you got the chance to possibly have just about your entire time. I'm not saying – I don't know that all uh, – uh, who will come back or if uh, any of the seniors. You would think that some of them would with that extra year. But, man, to think about it, we touched on it last week with Zach, to think about the fact that they might have just about all these girls coming back, plus Jersey Wolfenberger, plus Lana Eaton, yeah, that, that is going to be one scary team to reckon with. Yeah, it's reminiscent of when Corliss and Scotty were freshmen, and you kind of got to see that next year, 93-94, when they won the title, that they came in preseason number three, and it kind of startled me. I'm 13, 14 years old at the time, and I'm thinking, well, why are they ranked so high? They only got to the Sweet 16 last year. But it's who they had coming back, and as I became more of a Razorback fan and got into sports more and looking at statistics, that's that kind of step that this Razor, that the Lady Razorbacks could take this next season once they have a program changer, so to speak, like Jersey Wolfenberger coming in. And she is one of the most humble young athletes I've ever seen as far as how she conducts herself in interviews. Uh, anytime somebody talks to her, she's leading the Fort Smith Northside Lady Grizzlies to the number one ranking in the state right now. So, yeah, there's a lot of great things to look for. Coach Mike Neighbor said that he always wanted to get back here. And he's doing exactly what he set out to do, and that's take the Arkansas Lady Razorbacks to prominence and get, win a national title. And so, again, that will be the the UConn game is Thursday on ESPN2 at 4 o'clock, and then tonight the Lady Razorbacks play uh, Georgia at 6. I believe that one is on SEC Network. I think I don't have that right in front of me, but I believe it is. It, it You can catch it uh, on TV. And so two big games this week for the Lady Backs, and, I uh, look forward to to catching both of those. And all right, now it is time for our final segment of this hour, the Hog House Non-Performer Player of the Week. If I can get this thing playing, I don't know why the music isn't rolling. Let's see here. There it goes. Okay, so Kevin, um, I was deciding between it was either going to be one or one of two basketball coaches. It was either going to be uh, Jerry Stackhouse for kind of throwing his team under the bus. It's a lot of his freshmen saying that his team just doesn't look very good. They're not playing good basketball, which is accurate, but just in the way he said it, I didn't care for. But I'm going to go with Coach K, mainly because I wanted to get after him a little bit from in December when he had said that they needed to set out their final non-conference games after losing to Michigan State and Illinois. He questioned whether they should keep playing. Later on that day, they canceled the rest of the non-con, and of course, Nate Oates came out and criticized him and had to later apologize. Well... If you haven't heard, which I'll play the clip in a second, Coach K went after a reporter pretty hard, gave him a, a good bit of a hard time uh, for a, a – I thought it was a reasonable question. It was a cliche. That's so, a student yeah, yeah. A student reporter. It was that. a student yeah. reporter. And so uh, this kid basically just asked a question, and, you know, he's he's a student, like you said. He's trying to learn his way. Uh, we'll, we'll listen to it real quick, and then we'll give our thoughts. I'm just curious as to what, what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard-fought game. Yeah, I don't know if, like, when you, what, what, what's your major? What's your major at Duke? What's your hardest class? Econ. Okay. So say you just had the toughest econ test in the world and when you walked out somebody asked you what's your next step uh you see what i mean does that you have some empathy and and you know just give us time to evaluate this game and then we'll we'll figure out just like we always try to do so basically what he did after that is he would said that we're going to figure it out just give it you know kind of like a chad morris type thing we're going to get back to the drawing board but right after he mentioned that, so what, five, ten seconds after I cut this off, he said that we're going to go out we're going to get ready for Georgia Tech. My thing is, why can't you just say that off the bat? I, I'm really – I'll just be honest. I'm petty right now because, I look, I'll say Coach K, I think he's personally the great – I understand there's the John Wooden argument. I think Coach K is the best basketball coach, college basketball coach of all time just simply because he's won national titles in so many different eras. 
it's a lot different right. back then. You know, like he's done it in the one and done era. He did it in the early nineties with Christian Leitner and all those guys. And of course, Arkansas beat him in ninety four, which I will always be grateful for. But the fact that he's just done what he's been able to do in so many different eras is why I put him at the top. But I thought that he was a little bit over the top. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the worst thing that I've ever seen or the worst thing he's ever done. But I definitely think he was a little bit too hard on a guy, on a kid, for a reasonable question. That's exactly right. And he could have stopped at, before he started asking the question of, what is your toughest class? Or and imagine if you took the, the hardest econ test. It was an unranked Louisville team that they just got to play. And that kid doesn't so get paid seven. Like, well, he doesn't get paid seven yeah. million dollars a year to take an econ class. Exactly. So, that comparing an econ mid seat mid year test to Louisville, who's not even ranked in the ACC, that, that's a little much. He could have stopped, cut all that part out, and said, "We're moving on to Georgia Tech." Yeah. Next question. Yeah, and Except, instead he goes on that yeah, long yeah. thing, that long tangent. So. Yeah. So, Coach K, not that you really give a rip, but you are our Hoghouse non-performer player of the week. And so, well, that will do it for, uh, what did I say a second ago? That's the the last segment of this segment. So, this will be our final first segment before we hit a break here. And then we've got, uh, we got Blake Lovell from Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook. He's the editor for them. And then also the Marching to Madness podcast. A lot of great stuff on that podcast. They've been doing it for a long time. Plenty of episodes with Coach Muss. And a good friend of mine, and the first time we've talked on a pod in almost a year. And so looking forward to see what he has to say. But uh, make sure you stay with us. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Now joining me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook Editor and Marching to Madness Podcast co-host Blake Lovell. Blake, it's great to talk with you again, man. I appreciate you hopping on with me. Yeah, good to hear from you again, Kyle. And, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting season, to say the least, I think, not only for uh, Arkansas fans, but uh, college basketball fans in general. So You know, when we talked well, – I think we talked about three or four different times uh, last season, and every year it's unpredictable. Of course, with COVID, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I know that we haven't really talked since uh, – at least publicly since everything got shut down. But, man, would you believe it if I would have told you a month ago, but right before SEC play started – that it was going to be Mizzou and Alabama as the top two teams in the conference. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I probably uh, – certainly I couldn't have seen Alabama to the point that they are now, but I could have probably thought that Alabama could be in that top three uh, because I do think, you know, for our Blue Ribbon stuff, we we were higher on Alabama than I think a lot of other people were. I think we had, um, I want to say, 14 in the preseason uh, in the top 25. And, and I know that was kind of high for a lot of people, but – you know, the only way you can do with that is to kind of go off of what you see in the projections that you have on paper. And I think when you looked at the Alabama roster, it was like, okay, these guys have all the guards now. I mean, Nate Oates has exactly the type of personnel he needs to play his style. And I think that was what stood out. And, you know, with Alabama, the expectations have been high over the years. and They haven't always met them. Uh, so I think it was a matter of seeing how it would play out. And certainly it's played out in their favor. And then for Missouri – you know, I did our Missouri preview for Blue Ribbon, and 
talking to Conzo Martin, um, you know, he's someone who's going to shoot straight. He's not really going to, you know, dance around anything. If, if he doesn't think they're going to be getting very good, he's going to say, look, we got a lot of work to do. But, you know, he said this is probably one of the deepest rosters I've had. I mean, they could play 10 guys. And he felt like with this experience, you know, they have one of the most experienced teams in the country. He felt like they had a chance to be able to do some things this year. Uh, to the level that they have, probably a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, I certainly thought they could be like a top half team. I definitely wasn't to the point probably of saying I thought they could be the you know second best team halfway through SEC play. But uh, here they are. And I think we're seeing, you know, for Alabama, it's guards that are really playing such a key role. I think they're playing a different style than for Missouri. It's the same, but it's also that experience. And we've seen, you know, lesser experienced teams like Kentucky, Duke, and such, they've had their struggles. So I think experience has certainly played a big role, too. And Arkansas had a very solid non conference. They did exactly what they were supposed to do, had a couple of blowouts, went undefeated, and things looked really promising when they went to Auburn and Justin Smith went down at the end of the first half and we lost him. I think it was for four, three or four games. And despite not having him, you win that game. And then you play Mizzou, don't shoot very well. Tennessee, you didn't play a bad game on the road. You just turned the ball over too many times. Then LSU and Bama just blew them out uh, in away games, and you had a win between a win against Georgia sandwiched in there. The last two contests for the Razorbacks, you got some momentum. You're you're down 19 against Auburn. You come back against a very on the rise Auburn team, beat them 75-73, and then you have a great performance against a struggling Vandy team. I know that it may not have seemed uh, like it was as it was all occurring whenever you're in that losing streak there and you're struggling, but do you think that that certainly benefited the Razorbacks? I know that they have to play Bama and LSU and Missouri again, but that definitely benefited them having the, the schedule top-loaded the way that it was. Yeah, and that's the thing. is, I mean, you look at their non-conference schedule, I think a lot of people would point out, you know, there's not a lot of wins in there, even though they, they were 8-0 that are necessarily going to, you know, beef up your resume to, to the extent that you probably need unless you win some of these games against good SEC teams. So I think for them to kind of transition from non-conference play to really the, the challenges really just stepped up after that to where, you know, you did have to play Missouri and Tennessee and LSU and Bama. Um, and so I think even in losing all those games, you know, for whatever reason, we've said this before, um, if you're a team that wants to try to get to the NCAA tournament, you need to try to, to find a way to win some of those games. But at the same time, you need to avoid losing the games that will really knock you down. And to this point, you know, for Arkansas, they've avoided any bad losses. And I think that's the biggest thing you can say about them right now is they're going to get their chances to play Missouri again, you know, to play LSU again, to play Bama again. So they'll get a chance to, to get those quality win opportunities. But at least at this point, you know, even though they lost those games previously, they haven't lost any games to teams that right now would not be in the NCAA tournament. So, I think that's something that they can lean on and, you know, just seeing the way they played here the past couple games, you know, having to come back against Auburn and then, uh, you know, playing pretty well against Vanderbilt and really doing what they needed to do convincingly to win that game. I think that gives them a lot of momentum here heading into a stretch where, look, quite frankly, they're going to play, you know, several teams here in these next couple weeks that probably maybe aren't going to be NCAA tournament teams. So, you know, they've got to keep that going in terms of beating some of these teams we know that are probably not going to get, you know, to the tournament and then be able to counter that uh, by winning a couple of those games down the stretch against the likes of Missouri or Bama or Kentucky, teams like that. If they can do that, they'll be in the tournament. And I think just with the way they're playing right now, uh, after bouncing back from that game, Bama, which as we've seen, I mean, LSU's not a bad team. And for Bama to go down there and you know, beat LSU by 30, um, that's something mean, not going to have that are really good that could play Alabama and the Bama plays as well as they play, uh, they could still win that game by 20 plus points. So I think you kind of throw that one out. And now the way they bounce back, a pretty important couple of weeks coming up here for the Razorbacks. And their next contest against Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss started off really, really bad in SEC play, started one and four, and then they've won two in a row, just like the Razorbacks have. They're trying to get to four and four. And you think about the Razorbacks schedule, like you mentioned, it's very, it's pretty favorable. You've got a tough trip next Saturday to Oklahoma State, and then February 9th you go to Rupp Arena. But do you feel like this team is really starting to gel in terms of the chemistry, which Coach Musselman had mentioned multiple times before the season in the preseason, that that was his biggest concern, not being able to get his team together in a COVID, a COVID environment? Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, you look at it overall, and – you know, I know they've got some some new guys in terms of new older guys, but at the same time, we know too they're they're relying on new younger guys. So 
I think because of the off season that we had and, you know, the chemistry, it's just, it's almost like in any normal season, you feel like we'd sort of be in that first week or two of conference play right now, because, you know, with the way the schedule plays out and everything, I think you kind of have to just look at this season differently. You know, we always talk about those Kentucky teams, which this team is certainly different, but I think you talk about those teams every year and it seems like Kentucky always starts to hit their stride and, you know, late January, early February, right when you want to. Well, I think teams this year, you know, some teams it may be, you know, mid-February before they start hitting their stride just because the season has been so different. We know teams haven't played, you know, the same amount of games at this point. I mean, look at South Carolina. They're still way behind other SEC teams in terms of the number of games they played. So I think for Arkansas, you know, it was a team that was adding a lot of new players to the mix and knowing that those guys just weren't going to be role players. Like a lot of these guys are going to be players that stepped in and played a lot of minutes right away. And so I think now that you're getting so many more games under your belt, you start to figure things out on the floor. Like you said, you start to build that chemistry and that only helped him from here. I think, um, you know, like you, you mentioned this next game against Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss is a team that also, you know, is relying on new guys. I think that's, that's half for them. They've had their own ups and downs because they've had some new guys coming in. They've had, you know, a couple grad transfers and then have some younger guys who are playing more minutes. But, um, you know, it's, I don't necessarily know if this next game against Ole Miss is going to be, the prettiest game because, uh, you know, for Ole Miss, their defense, their offense hasn't been great. But their defense, they're still, you know, one of the better teams in the country when you look at just the defensive numbers. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Ole Miss finds a way to maybe slow this thing down a little bit against Arkansas. But it's a pretty significant game, I think, for, for the Razorbacks because this is one of those where, you know, I don't think Ole Miss is going to be a tournament team. They could still find a way to be in that mix. But either way you look at it, I think this could be one of those wins for Arkansas to kind of propel you forward and then keep that momentum going, like we said, uh, after after winning these past two here against Auburn and Vanderbilt. And Blake, there was a lot of excitement for Connor Vanover when he announced that he was transferring from Cal to Arkansas. On top of being a native Arkansan, he also offers that rare type of player being 7-3, able to stretch the floor. I don't know that I've ever seen a 7-3 player that can shoot the ball like he can. Started off well really early and played pretty decent in some of the early SEC games. The last one of recent memory would have been the Tennessee game. But in conference play overall, he's only got five total blocks since the Tennessee game, 10 total points, 10 total rebounds. Just really, to be honest, just put it put it like it is, he's been pretty soft in the paint. Now, some of his down numbers are attributed to matchups, and he hasn't played a whole lot of minutes in certain games. What do you think it is with him? What or where do you think that you really go with a player like that with what we've seen so far? Yeah, I think it's different in the SEC. And, you know, we see players come in all the time that they kind of find it hard to adjust. And I don't necessarily know that it's necessarily, I guess, anything that, that's his fault. I think it's more of watching it. I feel like it's just more of how the SEC is right now. Um, you know, we've seen a lot more SEC teams try to, let's say, you know, up the tempo a bit. They want to play a bit faster, which Arkansas fans, I mean, they they play one of the fastest paces of anybody in the SEC. But I think because you see a lot of other SEC teams play kind of to that different style, I'm not sure. They're the ones that aren't necessarily playing as fast as they usually do. Kentucky's one you can point out. They're not playing as fast as they, they normally would just with this particular group. And then you've got the other teams like we talked about, like Ole Miss, Texas A&M, who don't want to play fast. But everybody else, you know, it's kind of a game where you feel like it's get up and down the floor. And then because of that, you know, a lot of that is based around the guards. And I think because the SEC has become such a league where, you know, guard play is just so important. And there are so many times where we see teams that they at one point, you know, they're just like, all right, we're going to put four guards out there. And by the matchup, so when you have a guy like that that's 7-3, um, it just kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. And maybe that affects him a little bit in terms of how he plays. And like you mentioned, too, you know, maybe just from an aggressiveness standpoint, it just it makes things a little bit different when you're going up against guys in the SEC, too. And we're not talking about just guards. We're talking about some of the, you know, the long, athletic-type guys that you see around the SEC, you know, places like, like Mississippi State and, of course, Kentucky and all these different ones where you've just got these guys that have a different skill set, even though, you know, someone like Vanover can step out and shoot, but it's just, it's a different skill set. And so I think those are something where there was always going to be an adjustment period, even though he did, like you mentioned, play pretty well, start the season. Uh, now I think it's just a matter of adjusting to how the league plays. And as he does that, uh, you know, maybe there's a chance for him to try to get back on track here uh, sooner rather than later. 
And this class, the freshman class coming from 2020, top five, and depending on what forum you look at, very heralded. And they suffered a big blow with K.K. Robinson going down with a season-ending foot injury a few weeks ago. Moses Moody probably going to be one and done. He's just playing lights out right now. I know that uh, that uh, was it, I guess, against um, – what was the one where he had five points? I know that he scored like 28, 26, and then another, but there was one, the one before Missouri. Uh, Auburn, he only scored five points. Didn't really need yeah. to. And then Devo Davis has had a couple of really big games, especially on the stat sheet. Jalen Williams has just been that guy inside. He's really began to demand respect in the paint, been reliable, played some great minutes. Now, you and I have talked about it before, how Muss has it in his back pocket on recruiting visits, that talking about his time in the NBA and what he was able to do there and, and getting guys to that level. Do you think now that they're seeing it transition to the floor and in year two, these some of these better recruits around the country, the four and five stars, are really taking notice of, wow, this guy can say it on a recruiting visit. He can say it, but he's also walking the walk. Yeah, I think it always helps. And, you know, I think, too, you know, to compare it to Kentucky, and it's not the same situation, but, you know, the reason that Kentucky is able to get that isn't just because they're Kentucky. It's the fact that they actually go out and they win games, and I think they play a style that when these guys come in, you know, they know kind of what the, the expectations are. And, of course, look, we have to throw out this Kentucky team. We could talk all day about, you know, the, the problems with this team in particular, but obviously this is an outlier compared to just the traditional aspect of, of what Kentucky does. And I think for us, you know, traditionally as a coach, what he's done since he's been in college is he's found a way to win a lot of games. And I think that's something that, you know, translates. And it also is a situation where, you know, you have some of these guys who are very, you know, highly touted recruits. And these are also guys that, you know, you feel like with the background that he has, he can be someone that can sort of say, okay, you know, I know how to get players to that next level. And of course, you know, some of his players at Nevada, they're at the next level. Then you have guys, you know, at Arkansas that are going to be doing the exact same thing. And so I think just as you, you have more success, and that's the thing, it's a, it's a time game. Like it's not, it's very hard, I think, just in one year or two years, to be able to completely sort of transform, you know, maybe where things were previously. And so I think for him, you know, he does kind of have that, like you said, in his back pocket to where he's got a bit of a track record at this point where you can say, all right, you know, here are some of the things that obviously we're doing well. You can watch us play. You can see how we play. You can see how our young, you know, guys are being able to already be put in positions to where they're going to have a chance to play at the next level. Because like it or not, you know, that's, that's what all these guys want to do. Like all these, all these guys want to get to the NBA. They love playing for Arkansas. They love playing for Team A, Team B, Team C. But at the end of the day, they want to find a way to get to the NBA and play with LeBron and then all these other guys. Um, and so I think if you can just continue to do that, which, you know, Musk has been able to do, I mean, that's going to keep, put Arkansas in the mix every single year, you would think, because they're going to have the talent. They're going to have the, the opportunity and the roster to be able to, to kind of put a team together that will be able to compete, you know, in the top half of the SEC. So, I think it's just uh, recruiting is something that I just really don't worry about with him there at Arkansas because I think you're always going to see a situation where he's going to be, be able to find a way, whether it's through freshmen, whether it's through transfers, he's going to find a way to put a roster together uh, that has talent. Now, will it all come together? That's always the question every year with every team. But I think at least he's in a situation now to where, you know, like you said, look at some of these guys already this year that are making uh, a big statement in terms of what their talent is, what their skill is. I think that's only going to help him moving forward. And you know I've been known to, especially one of my final questions usually, it'll put you on the spot a little bit, and I got to now. <laughs> you know, it's teams can get hot and cold on a weekly basis. There's a lot of season left. But do you see any chance that this Razorback team could – because I initially said, I'll say this before I ask you, as we were getting through, getting towards the end of the non-conference schedule, I had said that there is a very strong possibility they could start off 0-3, which they started off 1-2 and in conference, and then, you know, like I said, took that little tumble there. But I, I do feel like I'd say, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm quite there as of right now, but I had said initially that this could be a top-four team in the SEC going into the conference tournament. Do you see that there's any chance of that possibly happening? I think there's still an opportunity because right now, you know, like we said, I mean, really, you know, Alabama is above everyone else. Like Alabama's on a different level than everyone right now. Um, could that change? Sure. But I think with the way Alabama's playing, it's really hard for me to look up and say, I think that someone's going to overtake them at this point. Um, but then that next group, 
you know, you've got all these teams sort of mixed together a bit where you do have Missouri, you know, you've got LSU, Florida, Tennessee, um, you know, Kentucky's playing better, like it or not, Kentucky's still four and three in the SEC. So um, I think for Arkansas, there's certainly an opportunity uh, because, you know, if teams like Tennessee, for example, which, you know, I was very high on one of the season, I thought Tennessee was a final four-esque type team, but their offense is not good right now. And until they figure that out, it doesn't matter how good their defense is. Tennessee could keep sliding. Uh, do we completely trust Kentucky? No, I don't think so yet. Just because they did what they did against LSU, I don't think you completely trust them yet either. So is there a chance for Arkansas to maybe eclipse teams like that? Sure there is. Um, LSU doesn't play great defense. We saw that against Kentucky. Uh, so I think LSU could slide a little bit. Uh, and then with Florida, they're up and down at times. So I think the SEC this year, I'll say, is not maybe as strong as I thought it would be, and that's not just because Kentucky is where they're at. Um, I thought Tennessee would be better at this point. You know, I thought LSU maybe would be a little bit better to this point, too. Certainly thought Florida may be a little bit better. Uh, but you have had teams like Alabama and Missouri take that next step. So could Arkansas still finish in the top four? Absolutely, because they're right there, I think, in that mix with all those different teams. Uh, it's just a matter of, look, you know, what's what's going to be that thing that sets Arkansas apart from, you know, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, all those teams? I don't know to completely know what that answer is just yet because they haven't been able to beat, you know, one of those top-tier teams at this point, even though they have beaten Auburn twice, which, as we know, Auburn's a little bit of a different team now. But I, I don't know. I, I think that's the thing for Arkansas. It's just, you know, they're going to have the opportunities. They're going to have plenty of opportunities down the stretch to beat those teams that they're right there in that race with. Um, I think it's just a matter of seeing, you know, are they going to be able to put it together and get enough of those wins uh, to be able to be in that spot? Great stuff, as always, from Blake. Man, And I uh, really appreciate you again coming on. and. Before we get off of here, I know that, uh, like you said, you're very active in the journalism standpoint with the Blue Ribbon Yearbook and then also, too, uh, with the Marching to Madness podcast. You guys got about over 600 episodes on that, I guess. Now, I know you've been doing it for quite some time. Yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy to think. I think we're almost to the five-year mark. I think we started after the uh, 2016 FTC tournament. So, uh, I want to say, yeah, we're, we're moving up on, on five years, and so recently, I've kind of done, kind of took on more of a, a back behind the scenes type role, trying to put everything together and keep everything flowing. So it's been fun, though, man. I tell you, just to, to catch up with coaches all around the country. Obviously, we've had Muss on a lot and just different guys. I mean, it's uh, it's something. College basketball. I think you you look at how many teams there are, and you're like, man, it's a it's a pretty big uh, scope there in, in basketball. I think as you talk to more people, it's like there's so many different connections that tie everyone together. Uh, around the country whether it's high major low major whatever so yeah it's been a lot of fun to do and like you said of course the blue ribbon yearbook uh we do the same you know we we cover everything around the country and uh, it's always fun to kind of look back uh throughout a season and kind of see where we were in the preseason on some of these things like we said some of them we get right like alabama uh, some of them we get wrong like kentucky you just never know uh, how things are going to play out so. uh, well you know we've we've been known especially uh yours truly has been known to be wrong once or twice every now and again so <laughs> Definitely understand that. Well, guys, be sure to follow him at the Blake Level, L-O-V-E-L-L. A lot of great stuff there, again, on, on the Blue Ribbon Yearbook and also uh, the Marching to Madness podcast, man. Does a lot of great stuff. One of the classiest, most intelligent guys you'll come around in the sports media industry. And, Blake, again, man, always great talking with you. Appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it as always, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Well, that will do it for episode number 159. For all of us here at the Hog Talk podcast, for Blake Level, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next time. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.